It's Thursday, June 1st, 2017, and you're listening to episode 445 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 52 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Brodor. This is Wayne. My name's Chad. So, Brodor, <laughs> I had a banter topic that is now completely lost to me. And there's such incredible impatience around the table that I, I'm not... <laughs> yeah, some of us want to go home and see our family. Colossal impatience. I know. It's just, it's just a ludicrous amount of impatience. So, w- what was it you were talking about? Because apparently we're going with that now. So, this past Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we had Geek Way to the West, which is a... Be there! Which is a board game convention that I'm part of the organizing group for. Uh, Frankly, I don't do much but work my ass off the actual four days of the show. Pretty much not involved other than occasional opinion from the actual organizing of the show itself. But we had, it was a great show. We had a new venue in the St. Charles Convention Center. We had 2,200 paid attendees. We had 33 vendors. It was all in all with a few minor hiccups. Really great show. I was telling you guys before we started recording, about a couple of board games that I had played. I was just getting ready to tell them about Vast the Crystal Caverns when Chad was like, you know, we should probably record this. This is bantery. So I played this great game. It's an asymmetric board game uh, called Vast. And the idea is you've got up to five players and each player takes on a role in this dungeon cavern adventure. One person literally plays the cave which hmm. in which it's occurring. One person is the the dragon, one person can play the knight, one person can play the thief, and one person is the goblin tribes that live inside the cavern as well, right? And each player has their own unique set of rules and their own set of goals. What's challenging about it is, for example, the knight... Okay, I'm about to ask a question (laughs) I never thought I would ask in my entire life. What does the cave want? The cave it right. wants to be filled, Dan. So <laughs> the, cave, the cave just wants silence and stillness. Mm. So the objective of the cave is, in addition to making sure no one else achieves their victory condition, the ultimate objective of the cave is to collapse itself, trapping everyone inside and just getting rid of So the cave up. is like the old lady hitting the broomstick on the ceiling yes 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 yes. the ceiling but she wants she wants the ceiling to collapse and crush everyone to death right and i almost won as the cave in fact it boiled (laughs) down to you so the knight wants to kill the dragon the dragon wants to fully wake up you know it's it's a very lazy sloth-like dragon right so it, it spends the game Sort of in this ambient like stupor of eating. <laughs> it's driving and doesn't remember. Uh, it's eating goblins and doesn't really recall. But eventually the dragon wakes up and then wants to escape the cave, right? The knight wants to kill the dragon. So by the fine time you find the dragon, it's behind the wheel of a car. It's got a plate of fried eggs. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then it wakes up and is like, I got to go, right? So the goblin tribes want to kill the knight. And then the thief wants to get in and out of the cave with six treasure chests. Basically, go in. It's like a relay race. Mm. Grab a treasure, leave. Go in, grab a treasure, leave. And do that six times. So everyone has their own independent victory condition and their own mechanics for their particular playboard. It was really, really fascinating to see how everyone's play style sort of adapted to their particular group of mechanics. But then also there was this element of, of great frustration because it boiled down to I was going to win on my turn or I was going to decide between the dragon and the knight who, were, who was going to win. I missed it by just the narrowest margin on my turn, did not win the game. And I was like, well, since former employee is the knight. <laughs> and the dragon's my wife. Oh, I'm like, well, oh. looks like the dragon's going to win. <laughs> <laughs> but really neat game. And it got me to thinking that that's the kind of thing that like I could never do. Like I don't have the brain power to even conceive of hmm. in a role-playing game. And there's a lot of good role-playing games out there that have different systems for, hey, you know, you're the decker. And so we have yeah. this system for decking. And Usually hey, to its detriment. Right, right, yeah. exactly. But for some reason with this board game, it just clicked it worked mm. really really well i thought but mm. yeah played a lot of really cool things cool yeah but good show happy yeah. people looking at growing again next year so. i've been there before I, I went once and i had a great time years ago 
and I just went by myself because none of the assholes wanted to come with me. But uh, well, no. to be blunt, too many people I don't like were going to Geekway. It was either Geekway or maybe it was um... no. There was nobody at Geekway, man. There was nobody, <laughs> and I don't mean like back in the day. Back in the day, okay. Yeah, so what? What are the two? Arcana Sci. Sure. What are the two other major conventions here? Fear the Con. Well, not yet. <laughs> And the Guns and Ammo show. Uh, Daikon? Isn't that here? Daikon and then Geekway to the West, right? One of them, because one of them you went to, mm-hmm. and I inventoried who was going to be there, and that just reminded me of the topic that we iced, so I'm going to write it down now. <laughs> and it's strange to think that there, I mean, and I get there would be specific individuals that you would not want to see, mm-hmm. you know, anywhere, even, you know, specifically at that show or or the grocery store, right? One of the comments that we got multiple times from security and convention staff was Wow, you guys are boring nerds. That everyone was cordial and polite and there were no serious problems. I mean, the security people were very, very happy Mm -hmm. to have us at the show because, you know, I, I heard some horror stories from one guy. But it was really it was it was great. During setup on Wednesday night and then through the rush that was Thursday, by Thursday evening, we're all clenching our buttholes, waiting for the other shoe to drop. And it just never did, which was great. Mm -hmm. My mostly facetious comments about violence aside, I think you put it better. It's just people I wouldn't want to encounter. Sure. And I remember whatever convention it was, I don't remember if it was Dicon or Geekway to the West or what it was. Chad did come back and say, oh, yeah, I ran into so-and-so and -and so-and-so and so-and-so. I didn't see anybody I knew at Geekway. Then I must have been Daikon. It's very lonely. (laughs) I actually met this guy. He was was in from Kansas City. I think he was like a lawyer or something. Never met him before. And I'm kind of there. They have this board game library, right? And I'm there by myself because nobody wanted to come with me because you're all jerks. That's really what I'm trying to get at. You're all jerks. So next (laughs) next year, if you want to go, I'll get you a comp pass. I'll have to work some shifts, but I will definitely be there hanging out and we can play games. I remember I thought about going, but I was working from so, that Friday at least. So they if I get my Gnarl costume, I will just set up a one-room true dungeon <laughs> in, the, in the most inconvenient place imaginable. Like like between a fire escape, an elevator, and a major hallway, I will just set up a one-room true so, dungeon. So talk about how friendly this convention is. I went there, and there's this... There, there's events, right? You know, you sign up for turn. They have different tournaments and stuff, and they have prizes and contests and whatnot. I at least I believe the main draw is this gigantic ass ass <laughs> board game yeah. lending library. The, the library and yep. our play and win program yes. are the two major draws for the show, and it it is amazing. And so I'm going through this library, and I'm like, okay, well, I just came to a board game thing, and I know zero people here how am I going to play board games? And so I picked this game up and it's this, uh, I forget what it's called. It, it's this cold war game. One person plays Russia. One person plays America. Twilight struggle. Twilight struggle. Yeah. Which for a long time was the number one game on board game geek. Now it's number three. Yeah. But anyway, huge box. And I pick it up. I'm looking at, it, and this guy is next to me and he's like, Hey, that's a, supposed to be a cool game. And I'm like, yeah, it looks pretty neat. I've never played it. And he's like, yeah, I, I played it once. And I'm like, you want to play? Yeah. And so we go and we play it. Well, the board is huge. And we're setting it up. We're looking at the rules. And we're kind of going through it. I won, by the way. And we're going (laughs) through it. And people start gathering around us as we start playing. And we start striking up conversations with the people around us. This is going to be one of those terrible prom stories where everyone watches you dance. (laughs) Not everything forms a circle. Not not like the Jolly Rancher story. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this this doesn't end horribly. Like the spotlight's on you and everybody forms a circle around you and well, Yeah, all these people gathered and we started conversations and, and it was great. We started talking and then we finished. It's the like game. a cool one, war. by the way. And we took we said, Okay, hey everybody's here. All these people who don't know each other, who wants to play a board game? So we grabbed this new board game that had come out, which was Battlestar Galactica. Oh. Sure, and we whip it out, and it was like max players there, and we played through. I won, by the way. And (laughs) we played, and we had a great time. And then this guy, who I originally bumped into, he was like, man, I'm really hungry. I'm like, yeah, we'll get some dinner. He's like, well, what's around here? And since I'm from the area, we went and grabbed some sushi. We hung out and talked, and it was cool. So my first time playing Battlestar Galactica. Somebody mugged you? No, was that a Fear the Con? 
which is also a great group of people that are so very hurt. welcome and opening. Did you win? I don't remember. And that convention. I had fun, so I won. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And that convention hasn't happened yet. Yeah, that's right. You can still get tickets for free. Yeah. For free, yeah. All you have to do is walk in the door. Well, what if I don't want to walk, Dan? Then what if that's just too much? You can run. You can <laughs> skip. You can lie down on the ground and roll. Oh. You, can, you can call your doctor, get prescribed a wheelchair, and purchase it from Medical West. There that's you okay. You may come in in a wheelchair. Can I do the worm? Or on crutches, you may do the worm. You may moonwalk. Yes, Charlie, you can whine as you wander in on four legs, wagging your tail, even though I have no idea what your issue is right now. You don't say. Well... <laughs> okay, so calm down. Calm down. I know you can smell the secret Hitler, but maybe, <laughs> so maybe we just shouldn't play that game with you. Yeah, you can sense lies. So. <laughs> that box is amazing. That box art is yes. amazing. Secret Hitler is a great game. So it's oh, like, I love it. It's it's amazing how it, often Dawn is Hitler. Is like, <laughs> so is yeah. it like Hitler without a fake mustache? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the tiniest little womb broom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh, bro. That's the best. I mean, molestache is really good, but womb broom, that's Chad, what it's if at. You, if you need another forum title, womb broom. Womb broom. Yeah. I, I yeah. think uh, Lord Fowl may be on his way to womb broom. Yeah, I don't think that there's any... Uh, Brodor related titles. So, no, nope, that's what our name was. Is Wombrew. Mm-hmm. So, while we were talking about this, I remembered the banter topic that I had previously forgotten, which is Chad, you and I were talking about not caring what people think. Oh, yeah. And yeah, see, all right. So, how we started talking about this was my brother's coming in town on the weekend of Fear the Con. And I'd love to have him join us at Fear the Con. But I'm realistic. Truth be told, it's far more likely that he's going to be, you know. Doing family stuff? Yeah, that's a polite way of putting it. So it's far more likely he's not going to be there. We'll just leave it at that and avoid the politics. But that got me thinking because we started talking about, you know, family history and whatever. But we we diverged from that into talking about gaming Mm -hmm. and the beauty of reaching this moment in your life where you just stop caring what other people think. And maybe not entirely, right? But but you just, because you still have to function socially. Yeah. But you reach this point where, you know, you have this phase where, as a kid, you hide your role-playing books and kind of keep it on the down low. Maybe not useless. Well, at least in the 80s. Yeah, yeah, at least in the 80s. And you eventually reach this point where it's like, you know what? I just don't care who thinks I'm a nerd, I don't care. Well, I'm, now it's cool. Now well, it's cool it's, it's got a geek chic to it, but 160,000 people attended San Diego Comic-Con last year. Yeah, and that's 60,000 people attended Gen Con last yeah, year. Yeah, well, not 160,000, that's ticketed attendees. Right. They usually go about one for one with unticketed attendees just people walking in. That yeah, lurk around the edges. So with Comic-Con, if you want a real estimate of how many people are there, double that number. Right. So there's probably about 320,000 people total in attendance. I, I really want to go. There is no way I could be among that sea yeah. of flesh. No, in, I'm with you. In, I could handle my temper. I could not <laughs> handle that. You'd be surprised what Valium and alcohol allow for. No, no. Well, it also did help. <laughs> it also did help that one of the commission artists I use on a regular basis is best friends with Kevin Eastman, mm-hmm. who's one of the co-creators of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So I kept retreating into Kevin Eastman's booth whenever I needed to get out of the crowd, which was weird because I was still in the crowd, but I was on the opposite side of a table from the crowd. And... I have no idea. People probably wondered who the hell I was, and I was nobody. I was just a beggar and hanger on. But anyway. I could handle the crowd at San Diego Comic-Con. It wouldn't bother me, but there's nothing there that I would want. I don't want to handle the crowd. Even if I could handle it, and it wouldn't drive me crazy and make me want to punch people, it's not fun. I don't want to wait in line for the... the, They're so violent. All the panels and things that you want to do, 
You have to camp out like overnight. Yeah, see, that's, that's why I'm not so going to do that. Wait, for starters, Hall H kills people literally. Yeah, every single year, Hall H, which is where the big panels and stuff are, every single year that hall kills at least one person. No joke. Look it up if you don't believe me. I don't believe you. Well, fine. <laughs> I think Hall H requires a sacrifice. <laughs> that's what it is. Is that Hall the, Hell? <laughs> Now, yeah. there's a con game. That's right. <laughs> you see what I did there? A yeah. con game. game. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> no, you don't do any of that stuff. You d- Wayne, like die? Yeah, like die. The dealer and artist and writer's area alone, if you were to unwind, it's about seven and a half to eight miles long. That's what you do. You go for the spectacle. You see the exhibits. You talk to the people. You do not go for the having your picture taken with Patrick Stewart. You don't go to Sir Pat, Sir Pat my bad. OBE. Yeah. You you don't go there to sit in <laughs> on the panel for the next Avengers movie, which will be on YouTube pirated the I know, following right? day. See, that's anyway. what I don't get is okay, so you're a big huge fan of something like me, Doctor Who. I'm a huge fan of Doctor Who. I'm gonna camp dude, out for five hours in this line dude, to get a seat and back and might not even get in. Or I could just watch it on YouTube. Well, like, and on top of that, panel? dude, the, the speaking of Doctor Who. We ran into whoever the current doctor was. Is the last doctor. Oh, the current at the time. Yes. yes so yes, the current at the time, yes. doctor and the companion and Stephen Moffat or whatever mm-hmm. his name is. And he's not running the show anymore. No, he's not. But at the time, he was at a state place. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean. You guys it, bought him drinks. Yes, we did. You tried to get him to call me. It was very sweet of you. I really appreciate the effort. I did. Effort. I, yeah. I tried to get doctor. It was my, it was my birthday. I, I could not go with them to San Diego Comic-Con. They met the doctor. And they know how huge a fan I am. And it was my birthday. And none of them cared about meeting the doctor. None of them cared about it at all. Pat, yeah, maybe a little. Pat, Pat, did, but Pat was it, being but... a blushing little girl. Yeah. You would not believe the amount of coaxing it took for him to ask, can I get a picture with him? And we do have yeah. a picture of Pat sitting with, with Matt Smith. Matt Smith. Mm-hmm. But I tried to get Matt Smith to do a short video calling you a bitch. Right. And <laughs> which I would have loved. I would have Talk about a birthday present to a Doctor Who fan. Yeah, Damn it. and his handlers wouldn't let him do it. Yeah, which I, you know, I understand that. I mean, the guy is a celebrity, and they have this sort of brand, and then it's like, okay, hey, you know, take a picture of my or uh, do this video with my friend, call him a bitch, ha ha ha. Yeah, that's really funny. Well, then you take it, and then you re-edit it to where <laughs> it's not to me, and you edit it to where he's calling you a bitch drunkenly and belligerently, and you and re. Throwing an end bomb, right? Yeah, and you, I mean, yeah, you could do stuff like that to them, and they they got to watch out for that. Yeah, because Doctor is a family show. No, I do understand. He he would at least mm-hmm. in America have trouble explaining to PBS or whoever has the show currently. Right. Charlie, you need to calm yourself down, furry boy. I, I apologize to you guys at home. We normally don't have dogs guesting on the show this much, but Carl is gone right now, and. And we don't know where she's at. <laughs> well, actually, I do know where she's at. But so anyway, they're down here with us. So anyway, I, the, the message that I wanted to throw out was to those of you that are still at that age or in that environment where people are judgy, judgy. Yeah. And you're, you're still not sure where you fit into the social scheme of things. Look, it really is true that that part of your life, one, doesn't last forever Two, to be honest. It doesn't even last nearly as long as you think it does. It feels like an eternity when you're in it. Mm. And I get that. I'm not trying to diminish that. I'm not trying to diminish the difficulties that you're going through, the things you feel, because we went through it. I've been there. I know what this feels like. But believe me, a day does come, and it's very liberating, and I just urge you to find it at the youngest age possible where, sure, still get along with people and fit in socially, But don't worry about who thinks what of you. I mean, you can either spend your whole life trying to fit in perfectly and be accepted with people who, in the end, really don't care about you anyway. Or you can be yourself and enjoy this very finite life. And it is very finite. And do the things you love and pursue the things you love and do it with the people you love. And believe me, you will be far happier for it in the long run than if you spend your whole, that part of your life trying to fit in and, and whatever. And it is very liberating to reach this point in your life where well, you don't want to be an a-hole, but it 
Well, yeah, it'll make other people's lives miserable. Sure, but but within a certain context and to a certain point, just not care anymore what people think. Mm -hmm. It's kind of funny because I've had people in recent years. Is this about the null suit? No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) This is not a gnarl justification. Not that that needs any. No, because it doesn't need any. You respect my culture. (laughs) That is still my goal. Once I get that gnarl suit, I'm going to try and crash through Dungeon for a few hours and see if they'll just put me in a room as a monster. You probably apply for it. Until they'll throw me out. But anyways, the point being, you know, just... You're kind of rambling, but that's okay. It is fine. Yeah. 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 It's your show. It's. <laughs> I, I reached this point in life where. When it's rambly, it's his show. When it's hitting on all cylinders, it's our it's, show. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when we're awesome, it's a team effort. When Dan's rambling, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> he just wrote fuck you on that. <laughs> but I don't care what other people yeah, think of me. It's. But yeah, you hit this point where, and it's great, where I, I suddenly realized somebody called me a nerd. And I just, I just didn't somebody care. Somebody call you a nerd recently? Yeah. And I just didn't care. You're, did you say, thanks, yeah. I, I kind of looked at him and said, yeah, I feel that way every other Friday right. when I cash that paycheck. That's right. When I cash my nerd paycheck. Wayne and I worked with a guy, and he was a very gregarious sort of dude. He's an all right guy, but he was super anti-nerd. And, like, when Wayne and I would talk about, like, video games or especially role-playing Well, he was games. an IT guy. Right. He was an IT guy. Now, was he a, a closeted nerd? Like, he was ashamed to no, admit no. that he was into no. the stuff? He was, a, he was a different... There's a certain subset that's dying, mm. literally and figuratively, of these sorts of people that they're IT professionals, but they're not what today we would consider the archetypal geeker nerd. Yeah. They didn't get into it because they like computers that they saw in Star Trek. They got into it because it pays good. Yeah. And so, or they were doing something and they had to work with that damn machine. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 so now they're the expert. on it. So they walk in, they punch their time card, but then, which is legit, which is fine. It's, it's cool and all. But then when the weekend comes, they don't go home and play video games or D&D. Which, they, again, is legit. Yeah, they have no interest in any of that stuff. Yeah, if it's the person I think he's talking about, he didn't have a home computer. Yeah, when we start talking about role-playing games or something, he would come over and he'd be like, you know, that isn't real, right? You know it's all in your mind. And we're like, no. Dude, we're <laughs> 30. Come on now. It's, we're college-educated IT professionals. You think we have a problem with reality? He's like, oh, that shit is, you're just trying to escape from reality and you don't know what's like real. And it's like books and television and film. Right. Yeah. It's just like you watch sports. Cool. Not my thing. And refer right, to and you, wait, and you <laughs> fantasize about being that 350 right. pound brick shit house who could knock, you know, five other men Look, down here's the thing. by himself. I have no problem with sports. But that's real. Yeah, I, your okay, desire right. to be this guy. Bingo. Yeah. I, I have no problem with sports, and I'm not trying to create. A, I do. A ner- I, I know, but I'm not trying to create a nerds versus sports ball thing. I here. am. What I will say is, you cannot sit there and talk to me about how Dungeons and Dragons isn't reality, which yeah. I know, and then refer to the local sports team as we. Oh yeah, burger. I hate that. Oh, I hate oh that. I, I didn't realize you were on the team. I, you know, uh, we knew a person. I missed you at practice. We knew a person, very sweet, love her a lot. She's a great person, huge Cardinal fan. Now, if you don't know anything about sports or St. Louis, St. Louis is kind of a baseball Sam, town. St. Louis yeah. is a huge baseball Just town. Just a little bit. And these people, we love our cards. And this friend of ours, every conversation, sports would be brought up in some way. It was always my boys. My team, my cards, we are going to the championship. We are going to do this. We lost that one. We could have done better. That, that's like Yadier Molina or whatever the hell his name no, is. is my, yeah, yeah, oh, I got it. Yeah, yes. You got and it. And the right team, too. <laughs> you did. In the right sport. <laughs> yo, he's my guy. And, yo, it's like this guy. That's and Yadier is a good player. Yeah. 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 And, you know, it was... Why he says that like he actually knows. I know. Yeah. <laughs> no, I am just... Being yeah, no, you really are. You're, you're connect- Look, this would be no different than them guessing the hit dice of a dragon and being right. <laughs> yeah. You, you really are correct on this. Continue. And that's what her thing was. A Cardinals baseball hat, a Cardinals baseball yeah. jersey, watching TV, applauding her and getting into... Hey, she was having fun, yeah, but... where were you doing? Well, you know what? I, I wish... 
I could get more role players to be that in character. <laughs> yeah. To be to be that first person with yeah. their role playing, you know, not to say my character, but I mm-hmm. and we and me and such and to be that in character. I, I don't know about show up in costume. I, I <laughs> no, would... I'm down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. I it depends on the game. I'm not gonna do any kind of knoll or anything. But yeah. yeah, you yeah. know, a suit of armor. I, yeah, I look you... awesome in armor. I don't want you to show up at Pat's house in a mech. I yes, you would. Do. Yes, you do. <laughs> yeah, I kind of yes. do, actually. Yes, you do. Because yeah. you know I would let you run it around. So do you want yeah. me to show up in Pat's house in a mech? Yeah, I kind of do. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. I like how you got your sex voice on. Yeah, because that's my favorite that's, part. That's right. I'm just going to put it down right now. There, There is a list of two or three mechs if you show up in, <laughs> that we're back to the violence thing, because that mech's coming home with me. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I won't get out of the mech. But I, I will tell you, I will tell you, yes. we will split 50-50, okay? If Two mechs just one day are there in front of my house, just, bl- just blocking there. the street, just there. Yeah. Don't know where they came from, just blocking the house. Mm-hmm. One's a Warhammer, one's the Marauder. Um, I, I will give you the Warhammer. Oh, oh you'll give me the Warhammer. Yes, I oh. will absolutely. Oh. There will be no dispute whatsoever. <laughs> and then you can take the Marauder. <laughs> no. I don't know. <laughs> no, the Marauder's mine. Yeah. And if you try to get in the Marauder <laughs> with it, without permission and then legal releases and all this uh, other stuff, things right. might turn ugly. But I will totally give you the Warhammer. The same way Wayne and I have this running agreement mm. that if Wayne gets two rings of the lantern, he will give me one. <laughs> and if I get Can a you, symbiote. What if it's like the shitty one? What if it's like love or whatever that longing? Or, it's still power. It's still power. Well, and, true, and, and you know what? I... Because I've role-played enough, I can put myself in a mindset for just about anything. Well, and even if it's like the shittiest ring-color-power combo on the planet, you still get to fly. Sure. And yeah, I can... Yeah. And Into I'm, space! And you believe, can fly to the moon! Believe me, I'll, I'll find ways to, to gain yeah. that system. And in return, I have promised to Wayne that if I ever get a Spider-Man symbiote, mm-hmm. the first non-evil offspring it has, I will give to Wayne. Oh, okay. So th- this You'll is fall the, on the evil symbiote sword for him. That's... Well, yeah, I've got a pretty strong strength. I've got a good strength of will. Mm-hmm. So, like, Carnage would be my bitch. <laughs> and, you know, mm-hmm. but no, I'm thinking I'm more like, I want Toxin, and mm-hmm. Wayne can have whatever Toxin's first, like, non-evil offspring mm-hmm. is. And, what, and if it, what if it's a symbiote from Spider-Ham? It's not evil, so that's all Wayne's. I mean, if he wants it, if he wants... Look, what I'm saying is when this thing tells me it's about ready to give birth, when it's, like, going into labor, what I'm just saying is I'm going to do this over a, like, a fire pit or fireplace Mm -hmm. or something, and that's where it's going to fall. And if I have some... It's get a little gross. If if I have... Well, no, because, like, those... Well, I imagine you're standing there... You're kind of making out with no, your symbiote, cause, cause, and there's like this bearskin rug, and it kind of plorps out, dude, running the rug. With, with a tongue the length of Venoms, you never have to leave your house. <laughs> That's fair. And, and when it can take on any shape, you'd be like, hey, Venom, give me boobs. <laughs> and, and, and you're done, right? You you never have to do anything else, and because you're all powerful and whatever, nobody can really stop you. You just rob banks and pay your bills. <laughs> Who's going to evict Venom? And so, I don't know. I haven't thought this all the way through. <laughs> But pretty far. I, yeah. I thought you. Yeah, I thought it kind of like uh, you got to boobs. I got to boobs, boobs and bank boobs robbery. And bank you got there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, yeah. you're there. I'm up yeah. to the third down here. But what I'm saying is, wait. If I'm not mistaken, when the symbiotes give birth, it's just kind of like this like blob, right? Yeah. That just yeah. What I'm saying is, I'll just as that blob is forming, I'll just be dangling it over a fire until the symbiote that I have, because the symbiotes they don't get along with even their own offspring, and have it tell me this is a good one or this is an evil one. And evil just falls into fire, a little bit of screaming, a few seconds later, it's burned to death. Right? No problem. (laughs) No blood, no foul. And if it says, no, this one's pretty chill, I'll be like, Wayne, you need to get over here really, really fast and catch this thing before it hits the fire. And then... (laughs) <laughs> and then Wayne will bring a ring of power, and it's going to be really, and I'm going to be Max. And, <laughs> look, it's going to be confused, but, I'll have, but I'm going to have symbiote tits. Yeah. All right. <laughs> in a mech with an old suit. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Just, in an old suit. Because <laughs> <yeah. laughs> yes. that's the great thing about the symbiote. They're all slimy and stuff, but they can move every bit of their yeah. slime, so it doesn't get caught in the fur. It yeah, just well, marches out. The symbiote would form an old suit. They'll say, yeah, because oh. the symbiotes can mimic any form of clothing so the symbiote could simply take on the form of gnarl and i could just through sheer strength of will and just say you know what look 
We would never see Dan again. We would only know Daryl. So you know how we're making fun of people who call people like you nerds? (laughs) (laughs) Kind of rolling that back. Yeah. Yeah, After this conversation, I'm all right with people referring to themselves as being members of sports ball teams. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, uh, I'm kind of, you know, you want to go to a ball game? (laughs) No, I'm cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've hit that level yet. So it's weird because I don't like sporting events in terms of going and watching the sport. Mm. But I like to go to sporting events because of the atmosphere. You know, I've been to baseball games and hockey games. I it's nice going to being part of the crowd. Game. Yeah, it's enjoyable, there right? Is an, there is a, a palpable energy you can feel being in the stadium with everyone around you. I mean, right, they call it home field advantage for a reason. Yeah. You know, that you're right. Well, there is that energy. Especially, man. All right. So every year, most years at least, my family goes to many Cardinals games, but there's one we do as a family where we get tickets to one of like the reserved areas where you have an open buffet, you have it's included your ticket price. And my mom's usually able to get really good discounts on the tickets. And so you have all the soda you want, all the beer you want. They have an open buffet that has, you know, all the ballpark type food, plus some additional yep. stuff like chicken and whatnot. And then that's the best way to see a game. Yeah. Well, and instead of just having like a hard plastic seat, you actually sit at a semicircular table that faces the ball diamond. And so you could watch the game while you're actually sitting at a table talking to people and eating your food and all this stuff. Actually, it's it's for if you're talking about just environment alone, I mean, if it wasn't for the fact that we usually go like in the middle of the summer, I could go in an old suit. It would be the perfect. <laughs> well, that, that has a delicious helping of elitism as well. Like I've never had the experience. Oh, it does. I'm in the private box. I would love to be dude, I, with a private bathroom there with you. Yes. And they, they give you an armband. So as you're walking around, everybody sees that you're special. Like you don't just have a ticket that mark you. They mark you. <laughs> it's, they tag you. You have your choice between. No, the they right... separate you from the plebeian attendant. Right. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. yeah, and they give you a choice between right hand and forehead, and without <laughs> it, you cannot buy or sell. And I don't know. There, there's something kind of apocalyptic about it. But huh. <laughs> <laughs> I went to space camp. <laughs> Speaking of elitism, <laughs> yeah, I went to space. Academy. Academy. <laughs> Remember, Dan, we have to say space camp because they don't understand what space That's Academy true. They is. don't know the distinction. Yeah. So one of the things that we were talking about at dinner is it was specifically about our current Skies of Glass game. Yes. And we were sort of broadening this. In, all two minutes of it. All two minutes of it, yes. <laughs> before Carla came down with a mechanical emergency with her Jeep. and She's like, guys, 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 I have an automotive problem, and there's three IT guys and a nurse here. <laughs> you can help. <laughs> we uh, we huh? can you watch a lot of YouTube videos, and we actually, in the end, did sort of surprisingly help. But that's a long story. Check my Facebook, my personal Facebook page, if you want to see it. But anywho, so one of the things that we were talking about is in the current skies of glass game that we almost started running you guys have a what's called a keel boat which is an old style wooden it uses a combination of oars sail and these sort of posts and whatnot to try and traverse the missouri and mississippi rivers because you guys are based out of herman missouri which is a little bit up the missouri river and you take that to where the Missouri hits confluence with the Illinois and Mississippi. Are you still calling your boat the Herman Munster? No. <laughs> no, no. He's calling it the... Was the it? Winding Vine. The Winding Vine. Okay. And I guess I got to change my name from Chet Manley. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and, and then take that down to various towns where you guys, you know, see local plots and whatever. And Chad, one of the questions that you raised, or one of the points you made at dinner which is already in my thinking and, and is not going to be an issue, but was still an interesting point of conversation was how do you run a game like that and keep it from being Star Trek? Right. You're on a boat. You can get off the boat, but you can only get off the boat in certain places. You have a crew, you have a captain, you have a hierarchy, you have an overall mission that you're trying to do. So you can have these away missions where you stop at, docks and go to the station i mean village and you see it instead of getting a distress signal from a starship you see smoke rising from a town yeah and so you pull the boat over to investigate and 
really? How is that any different than any other travel game? The distinction I would make is the fact that the travel is persistent. You're continuously traveling. There's not an endpoint in mind. It's more wandering, right? And where you wander to next is going to be determined by elements handed out by the GM. Yeah. Except instead of Starfleet Command telling you where to go next, it's going to be where is the good deal. And usually in travel games, like especially fantasy Lord of the Rings type games, the reason you're traveling, not stated reason, but sort of the implied reason you're traveling is that you wander into a place or you tra- you're, you're going from point A to point B, but in the middle there's something happens and you kill it, destroy it, set it on fire, you know, handle it in a way that only murder hobos can and you can't really hang around. So the village, it's like you save the village by killing all the orcs. Now there's all these dead orcs around and some dead villagers and you did a great job. Eh, Let's go to the next village. We've drained the adventure out of the area. And so now we must go to a new area that has untapped. Well, and also a lot of times there's an objective, not always, but a lot of times there's an objective more specific than investigate, learn, Mm -hmm. or in the case of this game, make money. It's things like, we need to chuck this brand of volcano. Right. We need to stop the evil wizard who's level 20 and we're level 4, so obviously we have a lot of ground to cover mm-hmm. before we can kill the evil wizard. And so there's something more specific, even if you're not dealing with it all the time, that's out there on the horizon. So I think for for us, an opportunity to really to distinguish the game from Star Trek, and I didn't watch a lot of Star Trek, it was never my thing, mm-hmm. but they didn't do a lot of revisiting the same right. stations over and over, it, right? It, or encountering right. the same NPCs Depends over and the over. Show, okay. But yet for the most part, for the vast majority of the shows, right. That's because yeah. we'll, we'll have, we'll have the advantage of our vessel has a pretty limited range, right? right? And we're going to be hitting the same stops mm-hmm. over and over and over again. Yeah. You know, we're not going over to be merchandise. Yeah. We have a circuit. We're not going to be yeah. running forever. Yeah. That's the well, circuit. And, and that was going to be my answer is first off, the fact that you guys are going to be visiting so many recurring places. And it is my goal to try and keep a particular number of places and probably a Mm -hmm. small number that represent the bell curve of your visits. Mm -hmm. Yes, there may be towns that you guys visit once and only once for the novelty of seeing what's there. Because one of the things that I know at least Broda requested was being able to see the diversity of the world. And so there may be places you guys stop once for the novelty and never Mm -hmm. see again. But I want there to be this like the largest ketchup bottle in the Midwest. Yes, that, that's exactly. <laughs> Damn it, you ruined my first game. <laughs> I'm gonna say, drill a glory hole in. <laughs> yeah, you don't know. What I, mean? I would stop at that every time I passed it. Yeah, the option. true. I mean, let's. I stop at Uranus, Missouri every time I go through. And there's gonna be a giant there ketchup and bottle back. now. <laughs> true. And Broder's going to hump it until he's <laughs> blood out Uranus. <laughs> but no, all right, but the point is that I want this bell curve where there is a small number of towns that represent the majority of your visits. And in each of those visits, there are going to be NPCs. There are going to be localized plots. There are going to be localized relationships, both good and bad. And what I want to see is that are developing themselves. There are opportunities yeah. in those towns and you can't do everything. Unless we decide to sink the boat and live in the town, we can't do everything. So we have to make choices. And when we come back around the circuit, we see the consequences of the things that we did yeah. and the consequences of the things we didn't do. Right. And I look at it like, uh, going back to one of my favorite games, Fallout 3, I think one of my favorite points in that was there's one point in the game where, based on things you do, a wedding happens. If you're there at that time, you can watch it. If you're not there at that time, it still happened in game, but you're just not there. I want that feel for these towns mm-hmm. that each one has its own, you know, has its own life. Yeah. That whether we're there or not, it's going to exist. And sure. when we come back, mm-hmm. we're getting a slice of life of that town. And something else I want to do is in addition to the towns having a bell curve of visits to having a life of their own, to having their own ongoing plots and characters and things like that is there is also going to be larger overarching plots that may in fact have nothing to do whatsoever with your status as traders 
that the fact that you are merchanting up and down the river is only incidental to the things that you happen to encounter and the things that you happen to get caught up in, where if you did nothing more than farm the same piece of land, I could still have that plot catch you guys up. Well, and I think each character has something out there waiting for us. From our backstory, something that's out there in the world. Chad has this whole history within St. Louis. No, I don't. (laughs) Not all. It's really boring. My character has a child waiting out there he doesn't know about. Eric's character has somebody out there that wants him dead. These things I know are going to be out there waiting for us as we travel. That isn't something you really have in the, like the Star Trek idea. Mm -hmm. Those aren't really personal stories. The average they, they can become that, but they generally, they but yeah, the average story that, they yeah. stumble across something. Right, right. We have it's something. About, it's about exploration, and right. Discovery. Yeah, and we have something personal waiting yeah. for us out there. Sure, and with start something like Star Trek, just to keep beating that same horse, is the recurring Paramount certainly is <laughs> the recurring <laughs> things were novelty. They were not the norm. The fact that Khan pops up twice, mm-hmm. that's novelty. Yeah. The fact that the Borg pop up, at least both in Next Generation, it was a three, four, half a dozen times, yeah. was novelty. The fact that Lore popped up, you know, half a dozen times was novelty. Mud. Yeah, the fact that Mud, he popped up in the original series, was it three times or something mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, the broader topic that we were kind of kicking around with this is define the obvious trappings of whatever it is you're playing. Okay, in the case of the Skies of Glass game, to to draw on that example, the obvious trapping would be, we're on a boat, we're going to different towns, well, all of a sudden you get episodic games. Star Trek. You get the town of the week. Instead of the monster of the week, or the planet of the week, or what do you get the town of the week? And you just keep going farther and farther down the Mississippi, or whatever the case may be. Suddenly, and, and, the Mississippi is now eternally long. And, yeah. yeah, or you just dump out into the ocean and go around the Caribbean and a keel boat, which would, <laughs> would be interesting. But, anyways, the point being, though, <laughs> that I mean, you could do the same thing with any game. With a D and D game, for example, how do you run a D and D game and not involve dungeons or dragons? Yeah, or the travel plot, or, or the tra- yeah, exactly. How do you not tell the Lord of the Rings story? How do you tell? And some people would say, well, I don't want to. And that's fine. That's totally They're wrong. But <laughs> that, you no, know, yeah, that, that's legit. One of the things that I've always wanted to play in is a serious game of paranoia. Not a comedy game, but a serious game where the objective is to beat the system and take down the totalitarian, both Orwellian and Kafka-esque computer, right? And to actually liberate that society. Totally not what paranoia was meant to do. And a lot of people, if I went to a con and said, I'm running a paranoia game, and they came in and they sat down for that plot line, they would... Well, they'd be angry because that's not what they signed up. Precisely. That's not the game they signed up to play, which which is is 100% cool. Which on a tangent is actually kind of disappointing because when you go to a con, generally speaking, sign up for a paranoia game, it's it's just that. You're clones, you can do the mission, you say the silly stuff, you do the... it's fun. It's fun. I've had a lot of fun playing Paranoia. There's many different iterations of Paranoia through the years, and some of those iterations, if not all of them, have different scenarios. And I don't mean like an adventure that you yeah. do, but I mean there's ones where, okay, we're going to play Paranoia, but the computer is been crushed. Like the revolution you're talking about happened, the computer is smashed, now what? And then you play that out, and there's all the different factions and stuff, and you're you're trying to get that going. There's ones where the computer turns off, and people are going crazy. It's it's not a revolution, but it's just like people don't know what to do, and you have to role play out in that society where everything is defined for you. Now yeah. nothing is defined, and now what happens? Yeah, and there was there was another one, but I, nobody plays though. This might have been a supplement, not part of the main game, but I, I think if I'm remembering right, this was years mm-hmm. back. There was one where the party discovers that the computer is not an independent entity, that there are these high-level programmers. Yeah, the ultraviolets. The ultraviolets or whatever, that each of which actually have their own agendas. And and the reason the computer is so Orwellian and Kafkaesque and so insane 
is because of the fact that they are all trying to mess with it right. to further their own agenda. And the end result is just this insanity that nobody can please because yeah. it wants contradictory things. It wants things that are not, you know, mm. either a not internally consistent or be so internally consistent that they become absurd. Right. And so, you know, the point is that, yeah, there are other ways of doing this, but I, I think it is an interesting question that, you know, when people sit down to play a game, I think there are these implicit expectations of what the game is going to be. And that could come from the system that could come from the setting or in the case like the skies of glass game, it could come from just the game pitch of, well, you're going to be bouncing between towns down the Mississippi and people have these expectations. The two things I would ask is one, do the players want that? Is that what they're there for? If so, stop there. If not go on to question two of, so what are some creative ways to defy that? And I think we've given some examples of you know taking those expectations of the game and turning them on their head or, or just tossing them aside. I, th- I think it's a good thing to go against expectations. It's a good thing to break out of comfort zones and do new and interesting and different things with your friends when you talk about it and, and everybody gets it out, what they want, what they don't want, where you have that conversation. But I was thinking about like, going back to paranoia. I was thinking about paranoia and con games and stuff. So like My question was, well, why don't people play these other scenarios that they have in the book? They sound perfectly interesting, but you, uh, at least I, in my limited experience, have never seen anyone play them, and I've only seen them at con games. Then I started thinking, well, okay, you sign up for a con. You block out three hours to play a role-playing game, and you sign up for Star Trek. And the only description in there is this is Star Trek, the role-playing game, and it is a copy-paste from the back of the box. So you sit down, everybody's there, that you get handed character sheets and the game is there's a medical emergency on the planet. You beam down and then the spaceship warps away. The medical emergency is it's these humanoid aliens are turning into mindless killers. What do you do for the next three hours? And you're like, wait a minute, this is a zombie game with phasers. This isn't Star Trek. This no, isn't what I signed up cool. for. Actually, it does sound kind of <laughs> cool. Okay, it sounds kind of cool, but it's not what you signed <laughs> not, up you for. Know, no, I, I hear you. I, yeah. I agree with your point completely, though I, I will agree with the way that it does sound kind of cool. But the point being mm-hmm. that, yes, I, I completely understand what you're saying, that if, if the average person came in blind to this on a con game, or even if, let's take out your, they just copy and pasted the back of right. the box, I think at Fear the Con, I could get away with things like this because of the fact that... Because it's your con and... Well, more than that, the culture of the convention is one that is much more intimate. People tend to know know Mm -hmm. each, at least most people tend to know someone else there. And then secondly, is that the games are much more experimental that people. Well, they they can be on one hand. I think it's extremes. I think on one hand, I mean, I played Watership Down post to Gusto Blast. I mean, I mean. On one hand, yeah, but yeah I, there's a Parn Master gets played. Tra- Church's Traveler game. Yeah, I understand it's straight up Traveler and everything yeah. you want it to yeah, be. Yeah, I've played it. It's good. But on the other hand, there's games that somebody shows up, there's no system. And they've got a story to tell. Yep. And they want you involved in it. And we bash it out and it's good. Or there's think, Scooby-Doo. Right. And this is nothing and, like. And my character is the Harlem Globetrotters. It all goes back to the description on the game. You need to be clear that you're doing something yeah. different. Well, but yeah. what I was going to say, though, Wayne, is... Oh, no? <laughs> even if you're clear that you're doing something different, sometimes people don't read down that far. True. You know, they, they That's see their the, fault, though. They Ro- see at the high level. Rotor, counterpoint. <laughs> I want to hear this. Well, so in my Gore game, in the last Fear yeah. the Con, I actually... I literally had someone listen to the pitch of the characters. Your gore, here are your abilities for the individual characters. Dude got up, walked away. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I looked down, she's gone, right? And that's what I'm concerned about. Because I don't know if I've made this joke on the mics before, but I know we've talked about it, that for me... Running a con game is that's my purge, right? Mm-hmm. That's when I take all the silliness and goofiness sure. that builds up and clogs my mind and I kind of <laughs> get it all out at the show so I can be clean mm-hmm. and cleansed and empty it's for your my game regular mastering game. detox. Right, right. It's my <laughs> and so concerned is that if you read my game descriptions, you understand that this is going to be very 
ridiculous gonzo over the top. And yeah. I don't know if I'm clear enough with that. <laughs> I, I put descriptions in my game where I tend to go really dark for some reason. Your characters, there will be characters who will die. And this deals with very sensitive subjects that might not make people very happy. And I really get pretty dark in my game. See, I don't have to plan that. But, Usually what happens in mine is there are characters that will die because John Wells kills them. <laughs> and, so, well, and I that that has nothing to do with me. But I put that in there. I usually put yeah. like a little disclaimer of this is mature content. Right. This deals yeah. with topics oh, yeah. that make people uncomfortable. This John I've, Wells will dis- probably kill you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've disclaimered some of my games. Yeah. They don't all need it, but some of no. them do. I disclaimered my gore game, my two games that I posted for the upcoming Fear the Con. I did not disclaimer them, but hopefully their descriptions are clearly indicate <laughs> what the games are going Look, to be. In in Brodor's second game. His, I am playing a 1970s pimp. So there you go. Roller Derby team needs a manager. Yep. <laughs> and it's going to be a 1970s pimp. So and that's where we're going to wrap this one up. I have no idea what this episode was about, but it was fantastic. So <laughs> Chad, when Dan said it was fantastic, <laughs> you've looked down, your eyebrows went up, and then just... I was awash in your judgment. It was glorious. I mean, literally, the room brightened from that angle with judgment. It was amazing. That still needs to happen if you're the con. We have have an entire role-playing game. This episode was amazing. Well, that's one man's opinion. <laughs> that's the Harlem Globetrotters' opinion. No, we still need to get Fear the Con. Somebody else runs it, and all I do is just judge things and judge people. And somehow that's in a role to the system. But anyways... As for you guys at home, have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. We are Guar. We will eat your car. (laughs) This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2017. Listeners are free to use this episode in any non-commercial endeavor so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the RPG Academy Network of Shows. You can find other great shows in this network at therpgacademy.com slash network.